From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the hottest of hot takes after Florida State finds a way to blow a game in Raleigh, losing 19-17 to against an NC State team that did not complete a pass after starting quarterback Devin Leary went out with an injury. This is probably going to be a shorter uh, hot takes podcast for me than ordinary, partly because if you can't tell from my voice, I am as furious as I've probably ever been in doing one of these shows. Because this was this was a game that they had absolutely no business losing. And they found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, doing things that, I mean, I've never actually seen. And then some other things that were just unbelievably stupid. I mean, I... It's it's really hard to even know where to start. I guess the place to start is to by thanking my sponsors, EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet uh, marketing and website development for an affordable price. Luis Marquez, the best in the business in the real estate market out in Jacksonville, Florida. Keller Williams Realty out in Jacksonville. Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com in the Research Triangle. And then Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. Thanks to all of them for their sponsorship. And of course, if you need anything in those areas, their information's in the show notes. And uh, you definitely should uh, let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still just blown away by what I just saw. I... I Florida State outgains NC State 6.6 yards per play to 4.4 yards per play. Generally dominated this game. I mean, NC State was completely impotent once Leary went out, and they weren't very good offensively before that. And Florida State found every way to minimize what they got out of this game. This absolutely should have been a win. Should have been a build towards uh, a good matchup with Clemson next week. But, I mean, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, wh- where do you even start? I mean, some of these things, some of the things that they did to put themselves in these positions, I mean, they, they probably would have gotten a punt blocked. Mass Romano recovers from it. He almost certainly would have run for the first down, which probably cha- probably wins the game, and then realizes, oh, that's 17. I probably don't have a green light to go, so he stops to you know get the kickoff. I don't know that in my lifetime I will ever again see a punter called for kicking beyond the line of scrimmage, but we just saw it tonight. And that didn't cost him the game. That's the thing. There were, some, there, there were just some decisions in this game, particularly on the coaching side, that I, I just... I'm. I just don't understand. And really, I guess the place to start is the, the the final interception. I honestly don't understand the love affair with that particular play call. I mean, yes, you scored on it earlier. 
but they've gone to that play call and go-to situation so many times that I'm, I'm not quite sure why, because I haven't seen that as just a super easy concept that they have executed just so reliably. But the thing that bugs me the most about that one is I'm sitting there first guessing this as always, when I, when, when I see the offense at the line of scrimmage and I see the defense start to line up, I'm looking at coverage, I'm looking at front and I'm assessing, okay, what would my call be here? And I see NC state fully rotated over coverage wise to the top of the field to the trip side. And I see a one-on-one corner at the bottom of the screen against Johnny Wilson. To me, in that situation, that's the most obvious thing in the world. You can't outthink yourself there. You have a guy who's been an absolute beast who did, who just earlier in the drive gave you a contested catch on a vertical route. It's been a jump ball beast this year. You get as good of a one-on-one situation as you could ask for in the bottom. And even if you don't like to throw the fade there, just get it to him off the line of scrimmage because he's playing eight yards off the ball in one-on-one. Let your guy who's 6'7", 230, make him tackle. But that's where you go with the football. It's not even close. And you call any play, anything that you call in that situation has to have that built in. I mean, I'm thinking, and I said this in the pregame, if I'm inside the, the green zone, if I get into the red zone, if I get into the tight zone, I'm going to Johnny Wilson a bunch in this game. NC State's had some trouble with their, with their corners against bigger receivers. You got a guy who's on fire there. I, I don't understand. I mean, I could almost leave it there. Because that that pretty much did it. Even if you don't get it there, you, you're you very unlikely to get an interception on that kind of play. And the one thing you can't do there is throw an interception. Now, you've got, your, you've got a kicker who's struggling, but you've got the ball in the middle of the field, or you know you can put the ball in the middle of the field. You're in position where it's actually a makeable field goal for him if, you're, if, you're, if it comes to that. You're taking shots to the end zone. You're trying to do those things. I do not understand what they were what they were doing. I also did not understand really the 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 offensive mindset in the second half. I did think that when Treshawn Ward went out, they that really really hurt them. You can see what a difference maker he is as a running back. He brings some things to the table that neither Toa Feely nor Benson bring, and. They couldn't stop Florida State's offense in the first half with Ward on the field. Ward gets hurt, and I haven't looked at the splits in terms of pre-Ward's injury, post-Ward's injury, but, I mean, first half, Florida State in the second quarter averaged 13.5 yards per play. First half, 8.4. Second half, Florida State averaged 4 yards per play. So, I mean, that's pretty close to a split of what you have from from uh pre ward and post ward that's just unreal so uh, yeah i look i think i'm confident i believe mike norvell is a very good coach 
I think by and large, this coaching staff, particularly in the offensive side, is pretty good. But there have been some unreal head scratchers down the stretch in games. And this goes back to, you know, Jacksonville State last year. Heck, the the final final play on defense that allowed them to get the first down. You're in a three-man front with your backers back. You're, you know they're not going to throw the football. I don't understand. I don't understand what you're what you're doing lining up there. I mean, you basically go goal line. Force him to win a one-on-one with that guy throwing. I Yeah, I like I said, I I do believe in this coaching staff. I think it's a good coaching staff. This is not the Willie Taggart situation. They're going to have to figure some things out in terms of how to close games out. They're going to have to figure figure some things out of how to handle things in the fourth quarter when chips are down late. Because they tried, every, they did everything they could to blow the the LSU game. They they blew last week's game against against Wake Forest. Ultimately, didn't put themselves really in position for it, but weren't able to to finish and made some decisions in that game that hurt them. And then in this game, they this this loss. Look, Mike Norvell's gonna gonna take take the blame for this. I'm sure this loss is on the coaching staff for some decisions down the stretch that were just bad decisions, not putting their players in position to succeed. Now, again, I still think the program is moving forward. I think it's building, but you can't have this loss. You can't lose this game in a season where you're you're really building. I mean, this this game could be the difference between. I mean, you win this game, you you're still in the in the division race. But losing this game, you now have two losses in your division. You you got really no shot. And look, you're probably not beating Clemson next week. But geez, this was not a good NC State football team. In terms, I mean, offensively, I don't think NC State's a whole lot better than Boston College. Really good defense, as we talked about in pregame. But this is not a game you can lose. And like I said, I'm I'm very much at a loss. I mean, I did think some of the stuff they did early in the game, the, the second quarter I thought was an absolutely masterful job of showing how to attack a 3-3 stack defense. Norvell and company had a really good plan coming in. They knew what they were doing. Uh, they went, uh, you know, they forced basically the the three three defenses really like to stay balanced so that they can disguise and bring pressure from different places, and you know it's it's it can be it can be muddy. You clarify everything when you go to nub sets and when you go to you know unbalanced and and you know tray formations and uh, all of those sorts of things. You know three by ones really are the sorts of things that you know three by ones, especially with a tight uh, tight split on the on the uh, on the, on the short side, on the boundary. Those are things that 3-3 defenses don't like to see as much. And they really took advantage of that, especially with Jordan Travis's legs. And honestly, in the second half, I mean, I need to go back and look at it closer, but in the second half, I, I they just couldn't figure anything out. I... Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah. 
I'm just going to wrap here, guys, because I'm, I'm going to have to go back and torture myself, actually, watching a lot of the second half to get a sense of where some of the things were in terms of differences of execution, play calling, approach, or whatever. I don't think the play calling actually changed that much. I, or the, the strategy changed that much. I think some of the calls did. Uh, but where they could have, you know, retained the advantage. And the thing is, in the first half, they came out 17 to 3, and it should have been 31 to 3 or something like that at the half. I mean, they dominated that that first half and did not get everything out of it they should have. But still, it was the second half where you where you cost yourself. Unreal. And, you know, the other thing that's it's, you know, really frustrating is, you know, obviously Jordan Travis has been really good this year. And uh tonight he second half made some decisions that if you didn't know more, if you know, if if you didn't have a, a more of a of a track record for him this year, would you know, cause cost you some trust in him as a rule. Uh, both interceptions were just absolutely head scratching interceptions. I mean, here's the thing. As much as and I need to go back and look closer at it again. I mean, I, I've only watched it once, but on that second interception, even if you don't go to the bottom of the screen, and you know, they they had Johnny Wilson on a glance route, which I don't like there. You've got your one on one, have him run vertical let him moss somebody, throw it to the sort of back shoulder kind of situation, throw it high, let him go up. So, you know, as soon as that's a glance concept, that's out. So you're not throwing there. But the thing is, with the play that they called, against that coverage, with the way that, that the slot corner faded off immediately, that's an immediate seam read for, uh, for the, the slot receiver. And Pittman did the right thing. But, you know, Jordan has to read that. That's, I mean, that's on him. I don't like the call, but it's, I also, you know, you have to, you have to give credit to the fact that if the quarterback actually reads that correctly and throws it into the seam, might score. So probably scores. So in that respect, I mean, maybe I'm being overcritical on the call, but I still don't like the call. And I definitely hate the execution of it and the and the decision that was made there. Uh, again, I just think in that, those situations you 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 can overcome you can you can get you can outthink yourself. And you know when you've got a, a Johnny Wilson, when you've got a uh, a guy like that in those situations, I think you let that guy go out and win a game for you. In those situations, you let him you you set him up for the one on one and you win. That's what you do. And they didn't do it. They, you know, did the opposite. So, you know, in this, they really, I mean, in some sense, let uh, they've now lost two games they should have won. And now, you know, they're going to play the best team they've played all season in the next game and, you know, try not to lose a third in a row. They should, again, they should have won both of the last two games. That's the that that's the most frustrating thing about this. That's why I'm so furious and frustrated and recording this is this team should have won both of the last two games and they found ways to lose both of the last two games with that were utterly inexcusable. <sighs> 
The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by so, EPR Creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the, the Unconquered football. Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, uh, which features which stickers, magnets, and other so. seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.